1: Here is Biblical Citizen. Let's roll.
2: Hello, Biblical Citizens. Today we're going to roll with everything about the upcoming election. The California election is underway. Many people are voting already. Our discussion today is with Andrew Hayes. He's the District Rep for State Senator Brian Jones here in San Diego County. He's the former District Rep for then-Senator Joel Anderson. Andrew is also a member of the Lakeside School Board, and he's running for re-election. Andrew has a lot of knowledge about what's going on here in San Diego County. He has a lot of good advice for voters and for those who want to preserve our values here in our county and our state. Welcome to our show today, Andrew. Hey, thank you guys for having me.
3: So, Andrew, let's start out with the basics. What is a district representative? What, What do you do working with Senator Jones?
4: Yeah, so my primary role is as its district director is I oversee all of our um east uh, east and north county um uh, constituent services yeah. operations and when you represent a million people like Senator Jones does there's a lot of things involved in that right so one of the primary things that we do is we deal with people who maybe have trouble Uh, getting a hold of the state, a three-letter state agency, right? I mean, you guys have probably tried to do that in the past. You may not have been able to get in contact with them. And so uh, what we do is we can serve as an ombudsman between uh, our constituents and the state agencies. And just to give a great example of kind of what we do is uh, over the past two years when uh, people needed help getting a hold of the EDD, Unemployment Department, uh, for their... Uh, benefits during COVID because, as you recall, the unemployment department, it was just a total disaster. It wasn't answering their phones, wasn't, um, you know, responding to, to emails. Uh, our office, uh, through Senator Jones, we were able to get over 4,000 families in our district, the, their benefits that they were entitled to um, when the government forced the shutdowns. And so um, I think that that's just one example of things we do. The other things we do is we recognize people for great, uh, outstanding achievements that they've done. So students who get, you know, uh, perfect attendance, and we give them Senate certificates of recognition. There's numerous things we do, Rotary volunteers, Kiwanians, right, people who do good things in their community. Uh, and then, of course, the very basic... A uh, service role that we serve, of course, is if someone writes into our office and asks us a question, we respond promptly. We make sure that they get a response from the senator because that's the senator's job. And so, my job as his district director is to oversee uh, all of our staff and all of those operations to make sure that that uh, that's being done properly and and with respect to our constituents.
2: That is excellent, and we hope that Senator Jones' reelection campaign is going well. Again, he's running for reelection. Uh, Why should people vote for him? We know why we want to vote for him, but why should they? No, well, I think
4: that uh, Senator Jones has a proven track record,
2: right? He has a proven track record of, of standing
4: for for values uh, that, that we subscribe to, we believe in. But also, he has a record of working across the aisle, and that's important in Sacramento. Don't forget that Sacramento is a super majority uh, 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 run by one party. And so when you can have successes as a legislator in Sacramento, it means you can work across the aisle, and you have to. And so, you know, this year, the senator has uh, got eight bills signed uh, by the governor. That's uh, likely more than any other Republican uh, in the Senate. And so he's working hard to find real solutions to the quality of life issues and in San Diego. Uh, and one, one example of that is he co-authored a bill uh, with Senator Ben Weso and Assemblymember Jim Cooper about the sexually violent predator placement uh, that happens in counties because current law allows for sexually violent predators to be placed without community notification. So the senator ran a bill and worked across the aisle to introduce that bill. He's also introducing another bill on the first day uh, once he's reelected. Uh, to address the homeless crisis, because what we see it's not just it's just a pu- it's a public health crisis, and it's also a community crisis. And yes, so, one of the things that 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 the senator wants to do is start by banning and prohibiting homeless encampments from being within a thousand feet of uh, daycare uh, centers, parks, schools, libraries. Uh, that's where our our kids uh, congregate and and play. Mm-hmm. And so, this is just the first step. It also would require some mental health supports to be provided to them as well. So, this is a really important. Bill, and he's working on gathering bipartisan support because that's how you make change. And um, so that's, I think, why Senator Jones should be reelected.
2: Absolutely. And we can count on him for standing up for our family values, too. Our family values of of restricting abortion and and having decent education in our schools and things like that. So we are very... He, yeah, that's one of the things... Yes,
4: I'm sorry to interrupt. Keep going. N-
2: you know, that's one thing we really, really care about on our show. And you're a member of the school board and you're going to tell us about that in a minute. But it, but I want to talk about when you got my attention, I think it was at the, the town hall meeting that Senator Jones had for, for our town. Yep. You said that there is a way that you can talk to Democrats that actually agree, agree with us on key issues, but they aren't even aware that their party. Yep now takes really radical positions that they don't agree with, you said that you can, you know, you recommend a way of talking to them to inform them how they should vote differently than they might be used to. So describe that a little bit. That would be very interesting to our listeners, I think.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So look, like all of us, right? Um, you know, we have friends who, who are Democrats, right? And we and some of my closest friends are Democrats. And, and, um, it's interesting because when you, when you talk to, to them about politics, they always say, oh, Well, you just are, you know, you just are, you know, a total GOP guy. You don't care about anything else. It's like, well, let's talk about the issues for a second. And I always like to approach it from the did you know perspective. So I ask them about, did you know that this is what the Democrats in Sacramento are doing? And one example I gave to one of my closer friends was, did you know that the Democratic supermajority in Sacramento voted unanimously to place sexually violent predators who are defined in code as those who are mentally ill and have a high likelihood of reoffending against children, and they have a right to go back into the community, uh, that is what I asked them. I said, did you know that that's what Democrats support? I said, well, no, I don't support that. I said, well, your party in Sacramento does, and the people you vote for do. And they said, well, I didn't know that. And I said, well, these are the important things that you have to know. So, one yeah. of the, so that was just one example. And so I like to say the did you know approach? It's not a, it's not an aggressive approach. It's not a mean approach. It's a approach of, well, did you know this? Did you know that this is what the policy they passed was? Right. Now yeah. sometimes they'll respond and they'll say, oh, well, you know, it's lesser of two evils. And I go, well, let me understand that because what you're saying is kids, sex predators are lesser of evils. Really? So when you when you challenge in a nice way and in a in a kind way and just say did you know this and by the way in Sacramento there are tons of examples of what you can use with your Democrat friends right and and share with them so I just think that it's important that we that we think of the did you knows right and and that's kind of how I approach it with my I, I, friends I think
3: that's I think that's helpful Andrew because. And even within families, and that's what we and many families deal with, one of the biggest challenges is even getting Democrat voters, say, to engage in any kind of conversation without without putting up the walls and so on and and potentially damaging a relationship. Like you, we have a number of friends that don't agree with us politically. So that's one of the biggest challenges is how do you – initiate the conversation in a non-confrontational way. And I I think, did you know, is a good thing because people do, generally people do like to get new information from a credible source. So, you know, another challenge these times is in this election time, related to this election, is how should we vote? This is really controversial among Republicans, as you know. Some Republicans are only planning to vote in person, On Election Day, which I believe is November 8th, Uh, I know it's November 8th, but others say no, we should vote earlier. Uh, Many just drop their uh, ballot in the mailbox. What do you recommend on this?
4: Yeah, you know, it's a great question. And I want to just quote a friend of mine who I was talking with over the weekend. You probably know her, uh, Ruth Weiss, and she does a lot of great work with the Election Integrity Project. We do, yeah. And she said to me, and I thought this was really thoughtful. She said to me, she said, Andrew, we lose 100 percent of the battles we don't show up for. And, you know, one of my biggest Uh concerns with 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 the um, with this election, with the election concerns about fraud is that I'm concerned. Our Republicans are so concerned that they're not going to vote and and we need them to vote. We need our our base. We need our Republicans to vote, because if we don't vote, we're going to lose. We're absolutely. That's leave. for sure. And so, and so, you know, my my biggest thing would be is vote. So here's here is a couple things that I would just share on the voting process is one. I think people are right to be concerned about about fraud. And I think that there are places across our country where where we've seen evidence, very clear fraud. Right. I think we've seen that uh, in San Diego County specifically. Um, there are instances, I think, where we've seen, you know, people get two ballots or whatever, things like that. But I would say overall in San Diego County, because I have experience watching the process, I think it's a very, very tight process. I think it's a very good process here. But what I will tell people is you got to do what makes you the most comfortable. So go to the ballot box if you're going to do it. But show up. Don't not go. Go to the ballot box and turn in your ballot. Um, If you're going to mail your ballot, you need to track it. And here's how you you need to track it because I want people to understand why. When you track your ballot, if it doesn't get counted, you can request a provisional ballot. Now, this is really important because when you request a provisional ballot, remember, in Sacramento, the Democrats have, have changed the rules on elections. We all know this, right? It's legal to ballot harvest, right? I mean, all right, of this stuff is right. legal in this state. So what we're trying to do is a fight with the same laws they created. So here's the deal. You can track your ballot if you, turn, if you have to send it in for mail. Let's say you cannot go to the polls and you need to mail it. Or let's say you cannot go to the polls for whatever reason and you can't drop it off physically, which is what I do. I go in, I take my ballot, and I drop it off and I I take it and I vote there. That's what I do. That's helpful. Um, In
2: the voting place, not just in a drop box. Yeah.
4: yeah, I I go and I take it there and I vote. Right. Mm -hmm. So but that's me. Right. Some people may not be able to make that. Now, granted, it's pretty easy to go to the polling place nowadays. Right. But what I would say is if for whatever reason you're going to mail it then you need to track it and you need to check in and make sure that it was counted. If it wasn't counted, you need to immediately request a provisional ballot. And the reason a provisional ballot is important is because provisional ballots are counted slightly differently than a regular ballot. And so it, and it, it allows for you to vote again if it wasn't counted. Right. Mm. And that's really important because yeah. it's following the law. It's all legal. But it's making sure that we're using the law to help us, not help us lose.
3: Right? I, I completely so I, agree with that, and it's my understanding, and it may be from Ruth Weiss, that in California, as you say, with very liberal voting laws, provisional ballots are generally counted. I mean, the bias is in favor of counting the provisional ballots. So well, don't, don't dismiss provisional ballots if that's what you need to right. do.
2: But if we got right. more than the 40% of Republicans that voted last year,
3: election. In the, that was the recall election if, for Gavin Newsom. Well, Only 40% of Republicans what voted. what
2: if we set it as a goal? Every Republican club, every independent group that wants to have medical freedom, wants to have family values and all these things, what if we made it as a goal, goal to have 80% of re- registered Republicans vote? Well, we put a number on it. Shoot for that. You know, the 80% of of Republicans voting. I think that would be really helpful.
4: Oh, I agree with you completely. I think we should set goals, right? In any business, you set goals, right? Yeah. But anything, You set a goal. And so I think we, it should be our goal to turn out 100% of our Republicans, right? Every single person who's registered to vote uh, who's a Republican uh, should be voting, right? I mean, if they don't like what's going on, you've got to vote, you know? And we have to vote. We have to vote our values. And I so I think it's so important that we do vote, right? And this is, to me, very important because... If we don't vote, we don't make any change.
1: Yeah. And, that, you
3: know, that, and, and that's absolutely relevant. right.
2: And so some of the excuses are. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Andrew already addressed some of those. Like, we can get so concerned about voter fraud that we don't vote. You've already addressed that. That's a big mistake. Some Christians have the very mistaken view that Christians shouldn't get p- political, even to the point of not voting, which, by the way, is extremely unbiblical. Um, or they think that their vote doesn't matter. We live in such a blue state, but none of those are valid excuses, are they? If we want to keep our constitutional republic and we sit on our butts, and I don't have a lot of tolerance for this. I can probably speak harder than maybe you can in your position, Andrew, but I just don't have a lot of tolerance for people that kind of know what's right and they don't exercise their most fundamental right to vote.
4: Well, you know what? My comment on that would be very, it's, it, it, it would be very simple. It's, if you don't vote, then you don't get to complain about all the problems we have, because you're not exercising your right that people died on the beaches of Normandy for. Yeah, I mean, very I, good. I, point. And people are continuing
2: to be victimized as well. Like you say, the sex offenders are out there offending and the homeless people are being victimized and the people, the children in the schools are being indoctrinated.
3: And so doing nothing is not the answer is
2: not acceptable. That's right. It's not the answer.
4: Look, that's not the answer. And, and, and so, you know, voting your values is the answer, right? And and it's and it's the best answer because it allows for you to have a seat at the table. It allows for you to have a voice in the process. But we have to show up and be be a voice in the process. If we don't like something, we have to say something. You know, that's why babies cry, right? Babies cry because they don't like something or they're hungry, right? They, they need to have something. a voice, right? Yeah. You know, they need something, right? <laughs> right. It's the same thing for us as, as, as adults, right? Is we have a, a needs in our from our government, and we have to voice those needs. If we don't like something, we have to send a message that we don't like something. And I think that that to me is so important. And and sending that message is with our vote. It's the way that we can vote. It's the way of persuading others to vote with us, right? By through those did you know conversations.
3: I, right? I agree. You
4: know, I without,
3: and you know, people, I, I want
4: the precincts. And, you know, I was talking to a Democrat who said, you know what, my party's left me, and I'm going to vote for you, Andrew. And I said, thank you so much. But this is because we're having good conversations.
3: Speaking of that, I want to pivot to that, voting for you. I want you to tell us a little bit about, you've been on the Lakeside School Board, I understand, for Four years you were elected at a yep. at a very young age you're running for re-election now so tell us a little bit about some of the challenges some of the things you've had to deal with on the lakeside school board or good, good or bad and why yep. it's so important to support your re-election well I
4: appreciate that and so you know one of the things that that uh, so I when I ran four years ago right I didn't think for in any universe that my biggest battle would be to reopen schools. I, I never <laughs> yeah. thought that, that would be I mean, I just never thought that that would be my battle. I thought that we're going to be battling about test scores and academic achievement, you know all things that you think about with schools, right you know curriculum, all of that. but for two years of my first term, um, I had a battle to reopen schools and to keep kids in classrooms. I mean the irony of that
3: is just kind of. Mind-boggling, really,
2: and so yeah. Nobody you know, the, thought the- that they would close schools. Nobody
3: thought. Did no. your did or your school board did you was that battle primarily a battling against other members of your school board, or did your school board no. even have the discretion to um, open if you thought that was the right thing to do?
4: Uh, it's an and both question, answer. So the the answer is I had to fight my colleagues to reopen schools. Three, at one point, four of my colleagues refused to reopen schools, and I made motion after motion to reopen because that's what our parents wanted, and we knew we could do it safely. So the, when we had the and both, we knew we could do it safely, and we had our community asking us to. Why the heck my colleagues at the time did not want to do that is beyond me. Right? I, I, it makes no sense to me now. Right. Now, granted, one of my colleagues now, is out running around, running for re election, with, you know, running for re election, saying that they led to reopen schools. Well, that's a lie, and I have the votes to prove it, right? So I'm, those kind of folks need to be held accountable because they, they see it as politically expedient now. But at the time, they only wanted to listen to administration and Governor Newsom. I said no to that. And just to give you a couple examples, I organized school districts across East County. Forty school board members were a part of my school board members for local control group. And what we started was a movement to open schools and get masks off our kids and provide choice for parents. Right, That's what we did. Forty school board members from San Diego County, Riverside County, uh, Bakersfield. We had people from all across the state a part of my coalition, and we were able to get in San Diego County schools open in East County and North County early, earlier than most. And so that's because we joined together. We need to fight together. And then we got masks off our kids in Rancho Santa Fe and Alpine and Lakeside and Ramona. We were able to ensure that if parents wanted to wear, their kids to wear masks, they could. If they didn't, they weren't gonna be removed from the classroom because we know that science, the science tells us, right, that kids do better when they're in the classroom.
0: No question. And we all stood together.
4: And so it was just, so all of that to say is I had to fight my board the whole way. Wow. And in Lakeside, in East County in Lakeside, I should not have to have fought the battles against my colleagues. because my community once wanted to reopen. I would spend three hours in Albertsons and I had parents come up to me saying, hey, you know, when are you going to reopen? I said, well, go talk to my colleagues. I want to
1: but <laughs> talk to
4: them and, and they wouldn't budge. Right. And so I just want the voters to remember that in Lakeside, because
2: that's very important that,
4: that well, well, there are people who are running for reelection who are going to say that they reopen schools but their record does not show
2: that.
3: Yeah, that's that's
2: So you have a proven track record of of going against the nonsense that's coming out of Sacramento and some of the things on your even even on your local board and that are they're following the teachers union. So we it's very important to get people in school boards that can shut some of this out, some of the madness yep. that's yeah. coming forward. Yeah, and I want
4: to highlight something a little bit on the teachers unions, if you don't mind. Um,
2: you know, so our
4: local teachers unions, you know, our local teachers associations, like in Lakeside, for example, they're not like their big sister or mothership, the California Teachers Association. They're not like that. They're not. They are not militant like the the state board is, right? And I want to highlight what the, what I mean by that. You know, in my community in Lakeside, our teachers really know that kids do better in school and they wanted kids in school, right? They want to do their jobs. They just want to teach. They wanted kids to teach, right? That's what they, they wanted kids to be in the classroom to teach them. But the state uh, CTA was spending millions and millions of dollars on lobbying at the first quarter of 2020. And we wonder why schools were shut down. So it was the, it's the mothership that that guides this policy from the state. And those are the ones that I, that's the organization I want to highlight because it's so important for me to share that with everyone because our local neighborhood teacher, you know, they care about their kids. They want them in the classroom. But when you're looking at the state level, that's where the, the muck and the swamp is. And that's what we have to attack. And so that's what we did. We pushed back on it. Right. And that's what we were pushing back on. So anyway, I just want to highlight that. Cause I always think it's important. No, that,
3: that That is very important. We don't want to, we don't want, we want to give everyone a fair uh, hearing and, um, there's no question that a lot of teachers are some of the best people around in terms of helping our kids and all that, but there's also no question that at the national and as you say at the state level, the teachers unions are one of the most pernicious and I would say personally even evil forces in our culture because there's a whole litany of things that they push with their with their millions of dollars that are not oh, good. Yeah. Uh, just read their I, policy
4: platform i mean right. i mean when you read that you go oh my gosh no this is not coming to my school right and i i would agree i would agree with that so i just like to highlight that because in lakeside my teachers are 50 percent, you know republican you know
3: or more well that's that's good to know i want to cover another very important point we've talked about the importance of voting and we've talked about the importance of supporting you and your school board race let's talk about who to vote for? How do people know who to vote for? Especially in nonpartisan races, uh, judicial races, and frankly, in many school board races. So, I want to encourage our listeners use a voter guide and use a voter guide from an organization you can trust. I'm going to suggest a couple, and then uh, uh, you can you can weigh in as well, Andrew. There's a new group, a newer group called FreedomRevival.org, and they're related to what we've just been talking about, about opening schools and opening businesses and fighting for medical freedom. But they endorse good candidates across the board at all levels in San Diego County. And another great voter guide is penniespicks.com, looking at things from a biblical worldview like we do on this show. And again, listing the endorsements from top to bottom of the ballot very important of course there's the official county voter guide so what do you any any comments on that andrew the republican
4: yeah i, I think yeah i think you i was just going to say the official republican guide is always good and the other one i would say is family voter guide family voter guide is a really good uh, resource um it has all of the different uh, endorsements for every candidate in every race and and i want to highlight why that's important and why i like family voter guide so much is They they don't say they go one way or the other, right? They don't say that. But what they say is, who's endorsed by who? And Mm -hmm. that to me is so important because, for example, I'll use my example in Lakeside. Two of my colleagues are endorsed by the Democratic Party. Now, they're going around trying to charade as Republicans because Lakeside is a Republican community. But on Family Voter Guide, if you looked at it, you would see their names and you would see they're endorsed by the Democratic Party. Oh,
2: wow. I think
4: that that is so transparent and it's so important. So you have
2: have to be careful, people. So we want to stress that. Frank Kaser, who's been on our show too before, and in a lot of these voter guides, they say to vote no on all the ballot measures, especially ballot number one, the ballot measure against abortion. We have to vote no on that because it'll enshrine abortion in our California Constitution.
3: Through through infanticide, through one month post-birth, if you can believe it. But Andrew, we've, we've pretty much come to the end of our show. It's been so helpful talking to you. You've given us... A lot of really, really good information telling us how we can vote, the importance of voting, and everything else. And we're going to be held accountable at some point, I think, we believe, if we let harm happen to our fellow citizens if we do nothing. So, Andrew, again, thanks so much for being with us today. All right. Hey, thank you guys for having me.
2: I'm sure we'll be seeing you around in town hall meetings yes, and will. other meetings. So good to talk yes, to you. Yes, you will.
4: bye guys.
3: Bye. So to bless your neighbor... Uh, If we haven't made this already clear, get out there and vote. Our very way of life may depend on it. Till next week.
1: Join us next Saturday at noon for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis, seek to educate and activate Christians at a grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover another major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen.